0: Information is free. The law. There is hope. Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're just seconds away from Let's Go Blues Radio. And if lost at the Ferris. Ferris has a break. One man back. Here he comes. Bob and Chaney, put one in front.
1: Score! A shot! They score! Pavlovsky! Into it. Curtis Joseph,
2: Brad Settleday, and the two goalies go at it head to head.
3: What well, would it car play, goes to
4: Welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of Let's Go Blues Radio, recorded live on Thursday, April 28th, 2015. My name is Kurt Price, and I'm here once again with my co-hosts, Bill Day, and Jeff Ponder for the season wrap-up show. So, how, uh, how depressed, slash angry, slash suicidal, slash frustrated are you guys right now?
1: Honestly, I I got through uh, all the stages of grieving by Sunday evening. Um, I, I hit depression uh, Friday night, about the time uh, Jake Allen gave up that first goal, and uh, I'm you know I've been a Blues fan since uh, 1979, and uh, I'm used to this. So, the grieving process works quickly here.
0: Yeah, and, and for me, honestly, I. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I, I mentioned this on uh, the morning show that I've been on lately, and uh, it, it's um, it's really hard for me, kind of like Bill, to get that upset with this. Um, and a big reason is just because I – okay, so my, my birthday is on April 25th. Um, that is a day the Blues lose every time they play. Uh, April twenty fourth and April twenty sixth also happen to be days that they just seem to lose. So I'm used to disappointment on my birthday. Um, and uh, the the final kick in the nuts for me was April twenty fifth two thousand. Do you guys know what happened that day?
1: April twenty fifth
0: two thousand. Uh... Oh, that was the uh, the uh, the sharks. San Jose Sharks, Owen Nolan scoring the goal in the red right line. Uh, that, was the, I was, that was the game Bill punched my floor. My uh, my <laughs> big present that day was to go to the game with my dad about 13 rows behind Roman Turk. So I oh, got to see that goal very close on my 15th birthday. And that when that goal went in, I looked at my dad almost having tears coming down my eyes, saying, I will never, ever believe that this team will win a Stanley Cup. Never. And my dad said, that's what's gotten me through all these years. And we both, to this day, when they lose, we don't get upset anymore. Um, they lost. Uh, honestly, when I had my biggest upset moment was probably Game 5 when Jake Allen gave up that goal in the first period, just you know, not to get too much into this, but Uh, that was when I was like, this series is over, it's done. And it was just one of those things where I kind of just kind of washed my hands and said, all right, let's, let's uh, look forward to next season. And, uh, that's what I did. Honestly, I, I really hardly grieve anymore. And it's, uh, it's kind of sad that it's gotten to that point.
4: Well, in this episode, we're going to discuss, uh, the failure that is your St. Louis blues. And it, and it, it, it pains me to say that it really does, because I, I like you guys and like many other people, we you know, we live and die with this team. You know, I've, I've poured my heart uh, into supporting this team. Uh, you diehard fans know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a reason we say we won or we lost, because the fans are a significant part of this team. Uh, without the fans, there is no game, and and the Blues are on the verge of losing a lot of fans over their performance against the Wild in the first round of the playoffs this year. I've heard so many fans say that they are just so tired of the same old song and dance. Uh, and this year feels different than in years past. You know, uh, and, and fans want heads to roll, and they want blood, and a lot of it. And the Blues need to be very careful what moves they do or don't make over the offseason. Because if they, if they play this too passive, you know, whether that be right or wrong, Blues Nation is going to burn the city to the ground. And, uh, you
0: know, what's going on in Baltimore right now, my friend
4: and what happened to Ferguson, (laughs) but, uh, you know, to put things into perspective about what's really important sports, (laughs) 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 you know, screw Ferguson, (laughs) uh, screw Baltimore, but, uh, we're talking, we're talking hockey and that's what's important.
0: Wait, Hey, so Uh, I want to just jump in really quick. Uh, Mark Giannotti, I'm guessing, I'm probably saying that wrong, joined us for a minute, and then he left. Yeah. So Mark, please, if you're listening, jump on. We want to hear what you have to say.
4: Yeah, jump back in and uh, uh, introduce yourself, and we'll uh, we'll have a nice chat. Um, maybe he's having Bill syndrome, where he's having trouble connecting. Possibly. So yeah, but uh, uh, speaking of which, that's a good segue, a perfect segue. Couldn't get any better. You know, Join us live on the air tonight uh... venture frustrations you know, i tweeted out the link uh... right when we started the show uh... so you can join us live on the air you just need a microphone and headphones please um, so we'll listen to your rants and uh... just will put this out there if you were the gm what would you do or if you were stillman would you get rid of uh... armstrong and you know, what would you do what do you want the blues to do so you can also tweet us during or uh... after the show um, at uh, just include hashtag LGB radio in your tweet, or you can always send us an email at the radio at let'sgoblues.com and visit the let'sgoblues.com forums to discuss hockey with other blues fans in our community. Uh, we've been doing that since 2001, so please check it out. So, I don't know, I guess let's talk about game five. Um, Bill and I, I assume you were there, Jeff, yes?
0: Yes, I was there.
4: Okay, so all three of us were there. And I, quite honestly, you know, this game uh, started off great. Started off a continuation from game four. And they had a, a couple of really good chances to score early. They didn't do it. But then they got on the board first. You know, Tarasenko on a great pass from Steen. Uh, uh, back door off of uh, Dubnik's skate and in. And we're up one nothing, And the crowd is going ballistic. Uh, every team that had scored first in the series had won the game. You know, If you scored first, you won the game, and every, the first four games of the series, you're thinking, okay, let's hope that trend continues, they're playing great, let's score a couple more, and just, you know, the, the series is almost over. And then, like you said uh, during the intro, Jeff, the, the goal by Allen.
0: Yeah, well, does... be- before we get to that, I was going to say that the Blues were out shooting the Wild eight to nothing before that yeah. goal went in. They they scored the goal by Tarasenko. They just came off that game where they scored six. It it just felt like it was destiny. This team was going to just keep rolling and keep rolling and and spirits could not have been higher right before that goal went in. It was pandemonium. It's got Trade Center. Everybody just felt it. There was electricity in the building. The the amazing video that they put on before games in Scott Trade, and uh, just the way the team was playing, the way they were skating, the pass by Steen on the Tarasenko goal—I mean, everything just looked to be going the Blues' way, and and it just even in the press box, I was sitting next to a couple of Wild members, uh, media members, and one of the guys, I heard him look over at the other one and go, "This series is over. St. Louis has it." I mean, it. It felt like it was a done series. The Blues were going to play the Blues game, and that was it. And then this goal went in, and everything changed.
4: Yeah, and it wasn't, I mean, and I would imagine if it would have been a nice goal, maybe that changes something. But this, that goal, and I don't think that, it, that goal really killed the Blues too much in that period because they did play well after that goal was scored. But to me, that goal significantly changed things for Minnesota. In that yes. period, Agreed. they got they they got their heads out of their asses and they played much better to finish that period off. Uh, the you know the, the uh, you said eight to nothing were, were the shots before that goal went in, and uh, you know the the shots for the period were twelve to three, so the Wild were held to three shots in the period, and uh, so you're thinking, okay, you know that was a, a bad goal by Allen. Uh, hopefully, you know the 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 trend continues. That if the this the Blues keep outplaying the Wild like this, then things will be fine, uh, which we've said before in this series. And uh, but just I mean the second period did not go at all like the first. Uh, so I, it's just so it was like a a. a I don't want to blame. I, I'm not blaming Allen for the series loss, but that was for me the the turning point in the series because the Blues had wrestled the momentum back and they were on a roll, and for whatever reason, you know, and it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have been the reason. You know, one bad goal should not get a team down, you know, in a 2-2 series tied at one. That's
0: ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. I That's mean, what- the, that the, the problem isn't that Allen gave up a weak goal. Yes, he it was weak. He should have had it. But at the same time, there, you know, just people say that, When the team's down, you expect your goalie to step in and and make a big save to change the momentum. Well, you know what? It goes both ways. Goalie lets in a weak goal. You have to rely on your team to come back out strong and say, all right, boys, here it is. It's 1-1. Let's take this game back and come out and either just have a a couple dominating shifts in a row or honestly score a goal or uh, have a, a big hit or something to get the momentum back, and it just never happened for the Blues.
1: Yeah, well, the you know, going into to that uh, Scandela shot, you know, we we mentioned Blue. think to myself, man, just just get through the period without giving up anything. You know, just completely shut them down, hold them to one or two shots, and then that thing goes in, and the Blues didn't wilt right then and there. Like Kurt said, the end of the period, the shots were twelve to three. They went back and they played hard. And to come out to start the second period, they played pretty well. Alexander Steen had two incredible chances before the Wild took the lead. He just he got stoned twice by Dubnik. And, you know, the I think that might have been what took the starch out of the blues game. Dubnik came up with two huge saves when his team absolutely had to have it. And for whatever reason, you know, I and I don't think the Blues are looking back saying, Well, why couldn't Jake Allen do that in the first? I, I think the Wild just grabbed the momentum. They they played from that point on, from the time that Dubnik made that incredible save kicking up his pad on Steen's second opportunity, the Wild Soundly outplayed the Blues for the rest of that game.
4: Yeah, I, you know, and from you know uh, from speaking from a forwards perspective, that's the position I played when when I played hockey. Um, that Steen undressing Scandella and going in alone uh, on uh, on Dubnik. I think the Blues would have to lead the league in hitting the logo on the jersey. In situations like those, when it counts in the playoffs, they, I mean, really putting that puck where it's supposed to go is something Steen has to do. I think it was a nice save by Dubnik. I think it went off his pad or his stick uh, because he tried to go far post with the shot, I believe. But uh, his second, you know, and Steen's second opportunity uh, a few minutes after that was. Man, I, I he had so much net to shoot at. It was a nice play by Dubnik to get his his uh his uh, blocker on it or, or glove on it wherever he got on it. But uh, man, he had so much net to shoot at, and he just didn't get he just didn't get the puck in the air enough. And uh, you know you can credit Dubnik for getting in the way of that puck, but uh, but damn it, as a goal scorer, that's he's got too much net to shoot at. He's got to roof that thing. He's he's a talented player. He plays in the NHL. He can roof that puck. Uh, Mark Giannotti. Has joined us. He's got his mic turned off. Let me, oh, uh, I think I just
0: saw it turn on. Did I? Hello. Hey, Mark. There he is.
3: What's going on? Not a whole lot. Just depressed. <laughs> <laughs> like a whole bunch of other people.
0: <laughs> so, Mark, let's ask. Uh, how long have you been a Blues fan? Ah, uh, forever. Forever. Oh, that's a tough time to be a Blues fan
3: how far does how far does
4: forever. <laughs> yeah. forever Day
0: back
3: uh, I'd say probably 15-20 years
0: okay so you know all the pains of 2000, 2001 oh, 2003, yes. 2004 2005, 2006, 2007 alright I'll stop <laughs> <laughs> please do so what <laughs>
4: Uh, so, uh, so Mark, are you, are you, um, in a blame mode for the series? Do you, uh, what are, what are your thoughts on, uh, the goaltending? Now, I've had some conversations with some folks online to where, uh, they want to blame, uh, Allen for the series and blame Hitch for, for not starting Elliot. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, uh, on the choice of Allen to start the series and, uh, Putting Elliot in when he did.
3: Well, I think Elliot. Um, you know, he proved last year that he didn't really prove anything in the playoffs. So I, I was okay with giving out on the start. Um, I think if we have had been losing seven to five, then maybe I would blame goaltending. But if we score one goal, you're not going to win that way.
4: No, that's. I mean, that's a. I think that's the sentiment most fans have. Uh, it's. I think it's hard to argue starting Allen uh, in the playoffs because he was, he was one of the hottest goalies in the NHL since the yep. All-Star break. So I mean, it's you I, going with a hot hand is the. It's to me, it's a no-brainer. Um, if you go with Elliot and you ignore the hot hand. Uh, then you're really setting yourself up for a lot more criticism if we do lose the series and Elliot doesn't play well. Uh, if you if Allen doesn't play well early in the series, then you can safely go back to Elliot to hopefully save the series. But uh, Allen played outstanding in the first four games. Yep, yeah. he was tremendous, and uh, didn't have a great game in Game Five. Uh, allowed one bad one, and then in Game Six was was. Not a good game at all for him, even though he played really well in between the bad goals uh, but I mean like you said though not gonna win unless you score more than one goal and and that inevitably was the problem uh, because bad goals are going to go in and your team needs to pick up your goalie
3: yeah I, I really think that it was like a, a laziness and sloppy play that really is to blame I, I don't I don't blame Uh, Hitchcock, I'm, I'm fine with Hitchcock. I, I don't, you know, I'm obviously not in the locker room, so I don't know how those guys are, but to me it seemed like everybody's too good of friends and too buddy buddies and, and we don't, we don't have that leader that, like a London Fletcher, like a Brett Hall that had no problem, uh, you know, letting the people that, you know, weren't doing what they should be doing and, and yelling at them and calling them out and, uh you know, making that kind of uh, noise, you could say. Um, I think everybody, it seemed to me like everybody was kind of just, you know, too friendly with each other, if that makes any sense.
4: No, that makes sense. I think uh, that, uh, that argument can be made for the relationship between Armstrong and Hitchcock at this point because I know a lot of fans want Hitchcock gone. Uh, and a lot of analysts want Hitchcock gone. Uh, but uh, And that's not to say that that would be the right move, but no. that's the sentiment amongst a lot of fans. I'm sure you've heard that, and a lot of people. But uh, Hitchcock and Army are, are pretty good friends, are pretty close. So uh, you wonder if Armstrong would be able to fire Hitchcock if it came down to it. Um, if he did if that decision was made, I would imagine it would be something on the lines of uh, well, why don't you just say you're going to retire? Because his contract is up uh, so they would just not offer him another contract and then he would take a position within the club which is what I tweeted out with the LGB radio account uh, the other yesterday, thinking for sure that this is what's going to happen. Uh, they had said before that Hitchcock is going to take a position with the team if he wants it uh, when his coaching career is over. Uh, and I thought for sure that they were going to say that, uh, that he's retiring and he's going to take a position with the club. But that didn't happen. That still may happen. That still
3: happen. might. Well, I, yeah, I, I, ex- I expect their first uh, off-season move to be announcing that Martin Brodeur is the new head coach. Mm, oh, yeah. Interesting. Really?
0: Hey,
4: Mark, huh. well, real quick. I morning, think I have Mark. a Brodeur versus, uh, versus Wah matchup there.
0: Yeah. Real quick, Mark, uh, if, if, do you have a uh, Twitter account?
3: Yes. What is it? It's Merrick311, M A R I C 311.
0: Okay. Thank you. All right, sorry. Uh, yeah, continue with uh, the Brodeur for head coach uh, campaign you're starting.
3: Yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of kidding. I'm kind of serious, but, you know. <laughs> i don't think i don't think you get rid of anybody unless you're replacing them with somebody better um, I don't see you know how it helps um obviously hitchcock is is a good coach he's won a cup um he i think he knows what he's doing um i i, I, I still am leaning towards you know blaming it on on the players and not having that you know can we get like Claude Lemieux back it seems like Anytime that somebody wanted to win a cup, they'd just go get Claude Lemieux, and and they'd win a cup.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Blues tried that with Mike. Keenan. Keenan didn't work out.
3: <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> that's true.
3: Yeah,
4: Keenan brought in a bunch ago. Glenn Anderson. Glenn Anderson was supposed to be mm-hmm. the guy too. Hey, he wins cups, and that didn't work out either.
1: Yeah, it's because he. Did, well, I, well the, was the, Anderson was Anderson here when Gretzky was here? Uh, I think he was already gone. Oh, man.
4: Um, I think he was gone the year before, yeah. I think. So I, uh, so we've got uh, uh, Mark who uh, wants to retain Hitchcock. Uh, so, Mark, what would, as far as if, so you say that you think the players are to blame, and, and that's a, I mean, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. But uh, uh, so who would you like to see go from the team? Who's not pulling their weight to the point right. where you you ship, ship them out?
3: Yeah, I think it's it's I think it's it's the whole core again. You know, I'm I'm not, um, I'm not making a move unless I can you know trade him and get somebody back. But you know, I'd be I'd be looking really hard to to get rid of, uh, Bacchus and Steen, Oshie, uh, Jackman, uh, Berglund. I I mean, it's it, I think it's a whole group of players that are are way too comfortable with losing.
1: Well, watch out because Jeff Ponder might just you know <laughs> come through your computer and just drop the gloves. You, you don't talk about Patrick Berglund like that.
0: Uh, I will say though, uh, as much as I do like Patrick Berglund, and, and thank you for pointing that out, um, I uh, I do will agree that at least and stop laughing, Kurt. God come on, I can't help it. <laughs> uh, I think Mark's laughing too. I agree, the core definitely, and I said this actually after last season, the core needs to be shook up. You cannot keep all these guys on the roster for next year. I mean, uh, obviously a lot of people have different interpretations of what the core is, but uh, to me, Backus, Oshie, Berglund, uh, Petro, Jackman are kind of your core, and I'm not saying anyone in particular, but one or two of those guys absolutely have to go.
4: Well, Jackman's Jackman's contract is up. So they could just not offer him a contract.
0: Yes, I agree. And he, so I mean, there's very well rumors are that he could retire. I mean, he's 34, but as everyone said with Brendan Morrow, he's an old 34. Yeah, and but you know, I thought he had a, a
4: as far as the last few years go. I thought his year this year was decent. Yeah, he was. He was good. A, I thought he's, you know, I, I, he's not. I mean, he's not a top line guy, but uh, but I think he's a, a very serviceable third pair guy the yeah, third I, line. so
0: i think that you just it's just a matter of shaking right. up the the leadership that's in place i mean you really yeah. look at it you need to, to get some other voice i mean and you know and they, it's not just the a's and the c's it is nothing to do with that it's about the people who have been there who are your locker room leaders who just aren't simply not saying the things that need to be said and aren't doing exactly. the things that need to be done and it's obvious that this is a problem within this team we all heard Pat, uh, Paul Stastny's comments a couple months ago about how this team just gets down on itself. To me that's a direct link to the leadership in the room and that needs to be shaken up completely.
4: I think of the 3 of the the quote unquote core that you know the Oshi Steen and Backus. I think I would retain Steen. Uh, I but of uh, you know and I have an Oshi jersey. So I am a fan but uh, I I can oh, I'm totally a huge say, fan. I can totally see him him getting shipped out. I think one reason is I think they could get a ton for him.
1: Yeah, the uh, I name think they recognition alone. Well, he's actually worth. What's that? The name no. recognition alone for Oushi. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. he's the anytime the Blues play a national game, he gets mentioned. There's always the the TJ Sochi talk, and you know I I think that he probably is overvalued by other GMs based on what he did in the shootout in Sochi. So, well he yeah. is Exploit he's, that. A, he's a
4: valuable commodity in that he does put people in the seats too so i'm you know I know ownership wants to win, but they also want to make money, and like it or not, he draws fans, so that would be probably a slightly tougher sell than than dumping somebody else uh prominently off the team like a boweaer. If they could move him, I'm not sure if they could. Uh, unless they got, they probably couldn't get fair return for him if they traded him right now,
3: in my opinion. Yeah, re- so, remember, I'm only getting rid of him if we get somebody better. So,
4: okay. All I, right. It, so I, I'm not, I'm not sure if, if we would be able to do that in with a, in some cases. I don't know right. if we could get fair return
0: for Bowmeester, but others I think we could. Hey, we want to point out that we have another person in the group with us. This is awesome. Eric F. Uh, he has joined the chat and he says, "Oshi oh, doesn't have any playoff creds, but yes, can put butts in the seats." Eric, if uh, you have a microphone, go ahead and unmute yourself because uh, we'd like to hear what you have to say.
4: Yeah, I've got the uh, control room up, so I'm gonna switch over to the chat here real quick.
3: The thing there, that kills me. The thing that kills me is is as soon as we let some of these guys go, you know they're gonna go somewhere else and win the cup. <laughs>
0: That's
4: and it's it happened works, before. It? That's that's the way, especially no. with with uh, uh, you know Hull, Shanahan, uh, uh, go way back, Scotty Bowman. So at Quenville, coaches, players, it doesn't matter.
3: Yeah, we're the opposite of the Cardinals. It's it seems like you know the Cardinals will pick somebody up that's at the end of the career, and all of a sudden they're an All Star with us. And we have these players that we we're like we're like the the minor league team for for the real hockey teams
4: you know i think I think that uh with the problem with this team uh like we mentioned before is uh leadership and, and uh being outspoken in the right ways in the locker room uh, we're assuming but uh, this team is so tremendous in the regular season, but for whatever reason in the playoffs it completely goes to shit so I'm not sure you know and if and if and if Hitchcock doesn't have any answers right now. Backus was interviewed after the the loss and he didn't know why in the hell they they, they played the way they did uh, I don't know how people expect anybody else to figure it out if the people in the room don't know but uh, to be, seriously I mean if if, they, if if Hitchcock Hitchcock of anybody should you know and and Armstrong the guys who are there every day with the team every day if they can't figure it out then what the hell uh, I you know I, I I like Hitchcock a lot, but this is four straight playoff series losses for him with home ice advantage. So <laughs> it goes back to round round two against L.A. Uh, after we beat San Jose, and then against L.A., and then against uh, 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 Chicago, and now against Minnesota. So I think I'm not sure how many opportunities he should get, even though he has had the best record in the league since taking over the Blues.
1: It's crazy. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the press conferences. Um, oh boy! You, so you mentioned um, the you know Bacchus not having any any explanation, and I'll tell you, out of the uh, the four pressers that I watched, well, three uh, the the. Um, Tom Stillman interview and then the uh, Doug Armstrong Ken hit Kumbaya today and uh, Bacchus <laughs> in the uh, you know with the the media in the room today the most disturbing thing to me was uh, was Bacchus. it was it it didn't seem I don't know maybe maybe it hadn't hit him yet but it, it just didn't seem like you know it was that big a deal um, you know, he said the right things, but it, something about his tone—he just seemed aloof. And I'm—I'm you know, I'm the one of the biggest. Are you talking about after the game, right after the no, game? No, not, not after, after the conference. conference. Today, yeah. okay. Today, okay, today's professor. So <clears throat> I just. I don't know. I I'm a huge Bacchus fan. I you know if I were to purchase an overpriced personalized jersey with a, a player's name on it it would be Bacchus. But after after that interview, I'm or the press or whatever you want to call it, I I just I had, I'm starting to question. You know, is is he the leader? You know, is he the true captain? And let's think back to when Bacchus got named captain. We'd gone a spell without a captain, and uh, who was the previous captain before that? Eric Brewer. Eric that Brewer guy was awesome. Him. Oh, he was great. I liked it, him so much.
0: Oh, man, I wish that they could have just named him team president right now. They need a statue outside of Scott Trade. They need a statue, yeah. of, need his, a statue of Jerome Ginla walking him.
4: <laughs> <laughs> or anyone. Rich <laughs> Rich peon could walk Brewer.
1: <laughs> Kurt Price could walk him. I could. <laughs> Without skates on on ice. So, to Bacchus. Bacchus earns the captaincy through his play on the ice. And, I, I don't know, you know, maybe he he you know, he's obviously, he's, he's a... Oh, well, well, uh, right. hello there. Eric, Eric. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we hear you. We
4: can. All right. Welcome. Welcome to the show.
2: Yeah, thanks for join letting me join.
1: Sure thing. Billy so, you want to finish your
2: thought? Yeah.
1: Ahead. I'll finish my, my thought on, on David Backus here. And that, you know, he his play on the ice, he he seemed like the logical next leader of this team just based on the way he played. And he's obviously a very intelligent, smart well-spoken person, so he he seems to have all of the, you know, the outward characteristics. But once that door is closed, it, you know, to I think Jeff, to your point earlier, it, is he the guy that's going to get in somebody's face, or, or maybe this is Mark, is he going to be the guy to tell somebody that they're fucking up and they need to stop?
0: Whoa, f-word. Whoa. This is I H- don't think he should. Right use, here.
1: I don't think he should use
4: that kind of language, but no, <laughs> <laughs> not in a locker room situation. Let's <laughs> not get crazy. Okay, that okay. So, crazy. so
1: is David Backus the guy that's going to get into, you know, to Steve Ott's face and say, "Stop stinking up the joint, you hoser! Just stop it. You're that's, embarrassing us all." I still think that's,
3: hoser. That's is exactly strong. what I was saying before. Yeah.
4: I, you know, I wonder. I wonder. I, I would, I would. I don't know. I'm not in the locker room, and you know, few are, uh, except for the players and the coaches. But uh, I would, I would guess that if I had to say one way or the other, he is that kind of player. He would speak up, and he would, he would uh, uh, say what, say what's on his mind. Um, I mean, hell, he does it on the ice. I mean, if you play that kind of style on the ice, uh, would you be a timid personality in the <laughs> locker room? I, I, I would, I would hope he would be that way if he's. If he's timid in the locker room, then I'm not sure why he would have the C in the first place anyway.
0: But sorry, again, I, I just want to point out that if you guys hear me laughing, it's because I'm reading the tweets coming into LGB radio. I've got I've got covered up right now, let me it's all hitch's hat. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's something. If we're else. Gonna, oh, hey, God. if we're
4: going down, we're going down in flames talking about Brewer. So might as well go down <laughs> big. Go big or go home.
0: Bergmans, don't forget that. I've, apparently, I've got a Bergmans with Patrick Bergland.
4: You know, I and speaking of speaking of Backus and speaking of Oshie and Steen, I I think the Blues have the market cornered with likable fan favorite type guys. I mean, Steen and Oshie and Backus, they're all very likable guys. Very, I mean, you talk about all-time fan favorites with this organization, they are up there. Um, all three of them, but. How long do you hold on to those guys when they don't produce in the playoffs when it's important? So, I so you know, Eric, if you're still there, uh, we asked. Uh, I asked earlier.
2: Yeah, I'm uh, still here. You,
4: okay, okay. Uh, out of out of Steen, back is Oshie in the core. Uh, who would uh, who would you uh, look to move and who would you keep?
2: Um, you know, uh, just to give a little background, I've been watching the Blues for about. Mm, 15, 20 years since I was a kid. But uh, anyhow, uh, I've watched pretty much every game this season and the last couple seasons. And just watching some of the, the, the players, the ones that I would probably move, uh, Berglund. I, I like Berglund. I know he's a possible fan fan. Yeah! But <laughs> long story short, he's just been an underachiever to me. And I think that if he went somewhere else, maybe he would have the ability, opportunity maybe to peak. Um, I think he would be probably my number one. Uh, I love Oshi. I know you guys talk about having an Oshi jersey. I have an Oshi jersey as well, and uh, I like the guy a lot. But I just don't, his playoff—he disappears. I think he's like a minus ten in the playoffs. I'm just—I think myself and a lot of the other fan base, probably the people I've spoken with at work, are just ready for a little bit of a change. So maybe package him and Bergling. I don't know if they have no trade clauses or not, but package maybe them up get them on the move, and then uh, Bacchus, uh, I, I like Bacchus a lot, but, I, I, again, I don't know how that works in the locker room, but that C, maybe the captain C, maybe, I don't say strip him of it, but maybe have a big heart-to-heart with him and maybe see if uh, if he really wants to hold that C or give it to somebody else, maybe Steen, I, I don't know who a real leader is in that locker room, to be honest with you, so...
4: I think I think uh, if if we're discussing changing the C I I uh, if that's gonna be the deal
2: mm-hmm.
4: I, you know, be, before, you know, earlier in the season and last season off and on, I thought Petro was extremely disappointing. But I agree. the second half the second half of this season and in playoffs, I thought he turned his game completely around. I thought he was tremendous. I agree with that.
2: I yeah,
0: thought he was the uh, best player in the postseason yeah, personally. I agree with I, that too. Yeah. Besides
4: that, too. With that. And I, I yes. yeah, right. And I would, I would say Petro would be, I think, first choice for me to get the C if I agree. I agree with that,
2: too. So, yeah, those are some of the, the moves I'd probably make. And I don't know about Jack, man. I don't know how you guys feel about him. But I, I know he's been a lifelong blue, but I think maybe it's time for some new uh, pasture for him as well. Maybe some change of scenery or he retires. I, I don't know.
0: I'll be completely honest. I'd personally like to see a little bit of a, a defensive reboot. Um, uh-huh. I, this team prides itself on defensive play, but and, and I know that they're only allowed between 20 and 27, 28 shots a game, but, sure. you know, I mean, you watch a game, seven or eight of those are prime scoring chances. I just think that yeah. there's a lot of guys that could be moved, and, and it's not that they're bad players. I just think that maybe they don't fit the system or they don't fit with their defensive partner or whatever it is, but... Uh, I would personally, one of the moves I would make, and, and obviously I know nothing compared to guys like Doug Armstrong, but uh, I would I would look to to go ahead and let Jackman move on and maybe uh, let Lindbaum just step right into his spot. <clears throat> I, think
1: I think we should look a, yeah. at moving the entire left side of the defense, honestly. I mean, Bowmeister... Bomeister was great up until he got injured um, yes. in November. and since then, you know I, I know there was a lot of speculation <laughs> uh, from a lot of people saying that Bomeister was you know that we were going to hear that he was going to be you know that he's been playing with an injury since midseason that requires surgery and in the presser today they said the only injury that the blues had you know besides you know Bortuzzo not being able to get back up to speed after his late season injury was the uh the arm injury with Laterra. so he he's not hurt it's it's not his it's not his body it's it's you know it's between the ears with with Bo and i think he really struggled especially when uh he wasn't paired with uh Petrangelo and you know so you got to look at seeing if you can get you know move him his salary doesn't seem you know like it's immovable yeah. somebody's going to look for a left strong skating left-handed defenseman um maybe you can get rid of him uh Gunnerson uh you know, I I think this is a move that that we have to look back on as you know regrettable at this point. I don't know that you're going to be able to unload him, but you know, I I certainly I would put Bohm higher than uh, than Gunnarsson at this point. Agreed. Um, and Gunnarsson then, makes which, uh, three and a half million too next year. That is not high for him. That's that's yep. painful. I mean, if he's if if he's our third pairing defenseman, okay. But I don't know if they can if they can try to find uh, you know another uh, top caliber left-handed defenseman you know to to pair up at the top with uh, with Petrangelo that'd be great and you know I I think Jackman I, I would hate to see him go somewhere else um, and, and you know f- play out his days in another uniform he should be a lifelong Blue. Um, you know, if if he's willing to to take that seventh defenseman role and play occasionally, okay. Otherwise, you know, why not have him retire and join the coaching staff? He he needs to he needs to take a little bit less money too. He's yeah. making he made three three and
4: a quarter this year. I'm thinking that uh, two and a half is the most he can make next year. Two, yeah. Two there, and a half.
1: There's no way he gets north of three ever again. You know, that it's. He's made enough money over his career winning Henrik Zetterberg's Calder trophy um to <laughs> all of the uh, Red Wings fans <laughs> out there. Yes, he won it. <laughs> <laughs> but
4: yeah. You know, speaking of bomeister Easter, uh and not having an injury, which I was almost hoping was the case because of he was like it was just not didn't seem like he was with it. Uh it, it, the problem with him, from what I've seen, is that he's just not as aggressive as he needs to be. He's just too passive of a player. And when you play against the other team's top lines, you're, you're not going to be as effective unless you're a little more aggressive uh, or extremely talented uh, in other ways, which you know, he's big and he can move. But uh, he's just... I mean, the Parise goal uh, where they battled it in the slot and he lost that battle a little pee stick ho- hockey battle in front of the net and he lost it and pre scored over Allen's glove. That was just a perfect example of what I'm talking about. He was just not even close to as aggressive as he should have been on that play.
3: Neither was steam, though, so...
0: Mark, uh, go ahead and say your comment, please.
3: Well, all my friends know that I'm not a huge Jackman fan, but I am a huge Jackman fan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did love the last X-Men movie yeah can can we get Wolverine on defense
4: here <laughs> yeah. i like jackman i i i've been he's been up and down for me like i said earlier in the show uh performance wise but i think this year this year was he was pretty consistent you know he wasn't outstanding but he wasn't bad by any means he was he was decent I, and i think i'd welcome him back as a third pairing but yeah i think uh like jeff said a, a defensive reboot would be a nice deal you hold on to Petro and Shattenkirk, and everybody else is uh uh you know, fair game.
0: Exception of Lindbaum, I think.
4: Lindbaum is a good guy. Well, that's that's kind of part of the reboot, though, because he didn't play a yeah, lot year. So yeah. I think you bring him in full time.
0: And I'd be fine with holding on to Butler as our number seven if he's okay with that. Uh, Not a
4: Butler guy? Well, you know, if you can get... Uh, what do you guys think of Adulia signing him? Mm.
0: Well, the problem is is if you, you – I mean, I know that you said it, but we absolutely have to get rid of some salary on the back end. I mean, you got to figure McCulloch's gone, um, yeah. you know, Jackman, if he goes. But you got Bow making so much money. You mentioned Gunnarson making too much money. Uh, right now, they cannot take any more defensemen. But uh, I would say, you know, yeah, if they could get a guy like Odia after making a couple other deals – yeah, why not? He's a smooth skater and he probably fit our system pretty well.
1: Yeah, like I I'm a fan of his games, so I wouldn't I would definitely not mind seeing him uh in our uh, top 4.
2: I'd like to see uh Bortuzzo maybe stay too. I don't know what kind of demand yes. his money yeah, is, I but I think Bortuzzo if Jackman doesn't stay or I'd like to see you know Bortuzzo back there. He's he's a big body. I mean, I know he might not be the fastest back there, but you know, if he can pin people to the boards, I think he's going to be Maybe a little bit better than Jackman at that particular.
0: I agree. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I, I forgot more too, so I'm all he with
4: made, you on bringing him back. S- he made
0: six hundred and fifty K this year. He'll get a
4: raise. So I think you could bring him back for about the same. Maybe a little well, bit. Well,
0: you could probably he'll probably get a little raise. He's a restricted free agent. You could probably get him for uh, up in, you, know, you could probably get a bridge deal, maybe eight hundred thousand a year, which is a good deal.
1: Yeah. And and Armstrong today said that you know he definitely wanted to bring him back in the fold. But I guess that let's let's take a pause here for a second and uh, just everybody you know all uh, all of us who are on here tonight. Let's let's go and do a, a poll. Um, should Doug Armstrong be retained as general manager of the St. Louis Blues? Let's go in order of the how they appear in the bottom. So Bill, you go first. All right, I say. I'm on the fence on this one. Uh if if Oh, come I, on. If, you can't if, come wait, up wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> if if I if I had to say yes or Didn't no. Did you want the poll? I, I do. I do. He loves the poll. Oh.
0: Whoa! Wow.
1: All right. I see where this is going. I love so you, I, I'd say I'd say he yes, he should go at this point. Um, you know, his his moves He hasn't made the right moves at the right time, and he doesn't understand the goaltending position well enough. Um, I I think uh, the worst blunder he made was the Halak for Miller trade. Um, I think that uh, things could have worked out differently had we not gone all in with Ryan Miller. I think we gave up way too much, not just Halak, but the first-round pick. But, uh, yeah, so push comes to shove. I say Armstrong's gone. Who got rid of Ben Bishop? Ben Bishop. That was, that was Armstrong. Right no. no, that yeah. was Ben
4: uh, Bishop. Was it Armstrong?
1: Multi, ben Bishop mul- was Armstrong. Yeah, yeah was Multiple, it. multiple GMs got rid of Ben Bishop. So sure. did Brian Murray in Ottawa. So there was, there was
4: no, there was a log jam here. Someone.
1: Oh yeah. At the time,
4: well, at the time, you know, I think I don't think anybody was was complaining about that move too much because uh, no, no.
3: absolutely, not.
1: absolutely not. So, Mark, what do you think? <clears throat>
3: I think um I think you're right i think I think he doesn't understand the importance of the goal position and i don't think I don't think a tandem works it it just doesn't work I think you need a you need a number one goaltender and 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 i, I just i don't i don't think he stays
4: Eric what do you think
2: um I, i'm i was I'm on the fence as well um I know he's done some good things for the organization, but I think at the same time. I was actually a huge Ben Bishop fan when they let him walk. I know he wanted to play, so he's like, trade me or I'm going to, you know, whatever, I want to get out of here, I want to play. But I think the whole goalie thing, too, I think after today's remarks, I think, were that, you know, he plans on playing a tandem again. And after what happened to Brian Elliott and from what Lou Korak has been tweeting back and forth, that after talking with Brian, he was pretty much, you know, slapped in the face, can't trust the organization, had the keys to the kingdom, and, you know, he didn't get to start the playoffs. So, uh, with him again, I don't know if he was just lip service, just kind of saving some face there. But long story short, uh, yeah, I I I wouldn't be upset if they let him go. And I think the the more important issue for me is the fact of how close he is with Hitchcock. It's like, you know, drawing that fine line in the sand between friendship or personal and business. And it's like you know, if you gotta make a decision, you gotta fire somebody, whether your best friend or not. So. I think that, for me, it would probably be, yeah, if he walks, I'm okay with that, so.
4: About you, Jeff.
0: Well, uh, first of all, I want to say that uh, STL Blues history, uh, one of the greatest Twitter follows for uh, Blues fans, if you are not following him. Great guy, his name's Tim. He texted me, he says no to Armstrong, meaning he should be gone. So I wanted to voice his concerns first, but my concerns, I agree, Um now that I'm not in the media, I will speak freely and say that uh, I think that he should be gone. I think that, uh, first of all, everything that always bothered me was the whole Dallas Stars connection. I'll tell you yeah. what, he was connecting the wrong stars. Uh, all the stars that have been brought here, except obviously for Brett Hall, who, let's face it, was probably going to work for this organization at some point anyway, uh, was the wrong team. That was, the, I mean, that was the 99 team, uh, that won the cup, we started seeing Brendan Morrow, Steve Vought, uh, Daryl Sidor, I mean, all of these guys, Derek Roy, coming from the Stars, that mm-hmm. Jason were, Arnott, <clears throat> Jason Arnott, I liked Arnott, but I mean, still, it, it was the Jamie Langenbrunner, the, the the one that got me was the second year they signed Langenbrunner, I thought that was a just a blunder of a move with, with how many injury problems he had, but either way, I mean, the whole Stars connection has always bugged me, because You look at a guy like Derek Roy, who he signed to a one-year, $4 million deal. Blue. Blue. He was bad. He was bad. Um, And uh, then he goes to Nashville, signs a one-year, $1 million contract, plays, what, 14 games and gets waived. Brendan Morrow goes and signs a deal with Tampa Bay. He gets waived. I mean, within games of the season starting. So that shows you that a lot of his signings really aren't that good of signings. I mean, the... The Gunnarsson trade, I think on paper, looked like a good deal, but and obviously we're still awaiting that goaltender. I believe it was uh, Billy Huso that came into the deal. They ended up drafting with the pick. Maybe that turns out to be the steal of the trade, but right now it's not looking good. Um, you know, you look at a couple of other deals. You mentioned the Ryan Miller deal. I wasn't a fan of that either. Um, a lot of the deals he's made have not turned out. My biggest problem, though, and I'll try to get back to you, Kurt, is uh, – he has just spent way too much money on guys. We mentioned the, the money tied up in the defense. Jay Bomeester, I'm sorry. That is a, a, an, an albatross of a contract. Um, yeah, I, I know you wanted to bring in another guy, the number two or three guy, but when they signed him, let's put it like this too. They signed him right before they signed Petrangelo. They didn't have to. He had one more year left on his deal. They signed him, and basically by doing that, It told Petrangelo, hey, you're definitely going to have to make more than this guy because you're the number one. It was a terrible, terrible timing to sign him because it gave Petrangelo an idea. Hey, like, went into. I guarantee one of the first things he said in discussions was, hey, you just paid my defenseless partner, your number two, this much money. That means you've got to pay me at least this. I mean, there's been so many times that stuff like that's happened with Doug Armstrong at the helm. I was a huge believer in him up until a couple years ago, but I agree with Bill. It was the Ryan Miller deal that really kind of did it in for me. And you look at the, the fourth line. Uh, how much money is that fourth line making? I mean, they had to be the highest-paid fourth line in the NHL. I love, 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 love Ryan Reeves as a player, but he's making a million dollars a year. What other tough guys in the NHL are making a million dollars? Steve Ott making so much money. Um, you know, it's just... One thing after another, I, I am uh, I am sold on getting rid of him, but uh, I'll admit it, at this point, it really doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Kurt, mm-hmm. on to you. What
3: well, was what's the question? The, the <laughs> I've,
0: been, I've been holding that in, you can tell. As a member of the media, I'm basically <laughs> not allowed to say what I just said. Now that I'm out, I am happy to tell you what I think.
3: Yeah, but what's the Blues record when Ryan Reese scores?
0: Oh, they're probably really, really good. I have no idea. Oh, it's
3: <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's I think that 0? was
0: yeah, like that four was and
1: that 0? was covered very well with uh you know every time his dad's in attendance he scores. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but,
1: so Kurt, Doug Armstrong, there go. Uh
4: you know, I was a lot more positive on Armstrong as uh, early as right after the military. Uh, I, I wasn't as as down on the Miller deal as uh, some others, but uh, I would say I would be up for giving him another year or two. I'm not ready to get rid of him yet, mainly because he's not afraid. I mean, some of the moves not so good. I, and I agree with you guys; he's dishing out too much money to some of these guys. But with that said, uh, he likes to he, he gets things he gets things done. So he's not afraid to pull the trigger on something. I Remember the days of Larry Plough That it just it was it seemed painful that he could never get a deal done. That the Blues, when they needed to get somebody for you know uh, uh, depth up front for scoring or what have you, or a goaltender, he just they, he he could not even he couldn't get the get a deal done to bring somebody in to fill that void. Uh, so was, I, I just remember the times being very frustrating with previous GMs. So with that said, uh, I, I do think Ott's making too much money. I think Berglund's making way too much money, which I think is going to make him very hard to trade for anything of value uh, in the offseason if they do try to move him. Uh, so that's going to be a problem. Uh, I didn't like signing Ott for two years, which you know we have him for next year as well, and he's making, what is it, uh, $2.6 which is, you know, I, I think I remember at the time I didn't want to see him make over $2 million, and that's another 600000 that we don't have to spend on somebody else. So uh, I'm not saying that Armstrong has made uh, has been perfect. He's been far from perfect, uh, especially salary-wise for players. But I think that uh, I do like the fact that uh, the effort is there and he does make moves to try to improve the team, unlike other GMs that may stand pat or may not be able to pull the trigger on something. He's not afraid to pull the trigger on something, which I can appreciate. Now... Like I said, another year or two, and if things are still kind of going the same direction, I think I'm going to be, you know, I think a lot this off season more than any other before, I think will may change my mind on that because there's a lot to determine. There's a lot of guys that could leave. There's a, a you know Jackman's uh, contract is up. Do they assign him for how much? So I think I think this off season is going to be the make or break for Armstrong, uh, as far
0: as I'm concerned. Real quick, a couple tweets from our friend Hitch's Hat. Uh, one that you probably heard me laugh in the middle of your speech. Sorry there, Kurt. You know what the missing piece was this year? Peter Mueller. Uh, wow. He also, <laughs> <laughs> he also says, Brewer and Plo talk in the same broadcast. Where's my razor? <laughs> well, would you rather have Larry
4: Plo? I mean,
0: no, 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 no.
4: Nope. I, I I think I think uh, uh, I think we're I, – I I, get that the end goal is the cup, but I think Armstrong is, in my, my, my opinion, like I said, is I want to give him another uh, – at least this off season before I pass judgment on if I want him gone, so right now I want, I want him to stay.
0: But wouldn't you say that if you had any doubt at all, it might be good to just get rid of him now? I mean, look what happened in Toronto. They got rid of Randy Carlyle after a long time after they should have. They even said, when they I believe when they fired him, that – they uh, they had thoughts over the summer of doing it, but they didn't pull the trigger. They, they wanted to give him a couple games, and they were in the playoffs when they fired him, and then they fired him, and the team spiraled out of control. I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. No, I, I mean, firing
4: him may very well be the right thing, and someone bringing somebody else in, that may be obviously the the, the right thing to do if things turn around But uh, in the playoffs. But uh, like I said, I, I was a big fan of his... Uh, you know, yeah, up until the military, after the military, uh, but uh, didn't like the the Ott signing uh, for the money. I I like Ott more than most people, uh, but I I and the Berglund signing ticked me off more than anything just because of the money. I thought he, I think he makes too much money for for what he's contributed to the team. So uh, so I, I'm so I'm in the same boat with you, Jeff, quite a bit there with with the money with the salary wise. It's not so much. Player personnel, the types of players, the the quality of the player that he brings in, it's it's for me it's strictly the the salary with, with a few guys. So that's the thing
0: that always gets me is that you look at our at our salary cap, or I guess our uh, what we're spending on players, and you look at Chicago, and you look at L. A., and you look at. Just all these teams, and I've been saying this for years, even back when uh, when PLO was handed out nine million dollar contracts to anyone who walked in the door. You just look at that and you say, you know, how are we spending the same amount of money on these teams? You know, like the the Blackhawks are spending the exact, almost the exact same amount of money that we're spending, yet they're still in the playoffs and we're sitting on the golf course. I mean, it's uh, it's it's mind bottling to uh, quote. Uh, uh, well, the glory, but <laughs> I think Tays and Kane's
4: contract, though, will come to kind of handcuff them. What, it will eventually, year? yes. So yeah, next year. Yep.
3: I, I know exactly how this happens. I mean, this it was exactly the same thing when they signed Stasny. You know, I I was like, man, I really want the Blues to sign a nine million dollar player. I didn't say I wanted them to sign a player for nine million dollars. And and that's I think all they did is they, they they overpaid somebody, and I think that's that's why our salary is is like it is. Just like you said for Bo Meester and Berglund and those kinds of guys, um, you know nobody else would have paid that kind of money for those guys, but but we did.
4: Yeah, I uh, you know Stazzy's making. Uh, uh, he made six and a half this year. Makes seven next year.
3: Or seven, seven, yeah. In, yeah, seven
4: in 2016, 17, and then seven and a half in seventeen, eighteen so uh yeah and obviously he's a guy to look at too because he uh off i mean he, I, all season long it was kind of it seemed like he was not paired with guys it just wasn't clicking as well as it should have and, and his numbers kind of reflected that but in the playoffs he wasn't what they had hoped either so uh, the whole team wasn't for the most part so uh, yeah he is definitely uh an overplayed, overpaid player right now but uh I think uh, with his first year with the team, I think that, that's going to give him a, you know, I, you haven't heard a lot of people call for his head because uh, he hasn't been here <laughs> through the past failures. He's uh, This is his first one, so I think he's getting a pass yeah. right now. Bill,
0: Bill I know we, you lost you. we lost you for a minute there, Bill. Uh, bark into the phone to see if we can hear you. <laughs> um, I'm
1: not gonna bark, but okay. I think I hear Bill. You, is that Bill? You, He's not you barking. Didn't
3: miss
1: anything. <laughs> <laughs> so are we still on Armstrong, or have we? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Everybody had a chance to shit on Hitch yet? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I guess right. I
4: guess that brings us to the segue. For I guess is that your next person, Bill. You want to talk about is Hitchcock?
1: Yes, yes, I think, uh, I think you know, we don't go through the entire roster, but we go, uh, you know, at least uh, GM, coach, and uh, the core, which I know a lot of us have uh, talked about already. Next uh, we'll but... talk about
0: Ole Jokinen.
1: <laughs> yes, what's the point of bringing him in if you're not going to let him fucking play? And play? <laughs> wow. Um, another Another just odd decision between the brain trust that is Armstrong and Hitchcock. So, uh, so Hitchcock. Um, obviously, you know, for anybody who's uh, listened to me, seen any of my tweets, uh, I'm not a fan. Uh, I think he what? should have gone after uh, two years ago. Um, I thought uh, that the writing was on the wall that he couldn't get this team ready for the playoffs. Uh, he, I think, with Hitch, he, he his monotonous drone wears people down and I saw Art Lippo tweeted out something uh, today. Uh, somebody shared with him um, the Blues' coursey numbers over the last three seasons and how it just falls off after February. I don't know if it, it's a matter of Hitchcock, just his his system, his game just wears people out both physically and mentally. I think, I think it's more a mental thing. Uh, but whatever it is, by the end of the year, people just aren't playing the same hockey that they did to get them where they got to. And I think that that was evident two years ago uh, when uh, we lost to L.A. for the second time. Um, and uh, I, I thought that uh, he should have been gone then. Um, obviously, you know, he's uh, he's very close with uh, Armstrong. Armstrong's got his back. Um and judging by the uh <clears throat> the tone of the, the press conference today, Armstrong would have him back if Hitch wants back. I don't know. What do you think, Mark?
3: I I I think they're a package deal and I and like you said, I think it's a bad thing. Um I think I think they're not they're not they're not getting it done and I agree. I think Hitchcock has a way of making the team these players play way above their potential so they appear to be a really good team during the regular season and then it all just comes crashing down and they don't have the talent. I mean it seemed like it seemed like two weeks ago we had the deepest four lines of any team, and now all of a sudden, we're pretty much okay to get rid of everybody except for Tarasenko. <laughs>
2: Uh
4: Eric, you uh, you're uh, muted. If you want to contribute to the Hitch yeah. conversation, okay.
2: Yeah, um, uh, I think my my feelings are the same. I think, as many other folks, uh, I, I like Hitch as a coach again. I think. When he first came in here, he did a lot of good for the organization. But uh, after getting bounced by the Kings the second time, I was at the point where I was like, you know, it's probably time for some change. Um, there's a couple of things that really bother me about Hitchcock, and, and again, I, I'm not a player, but just from watching the games, like the, the jumbling of the lines constantly, to me, it's like, how do you really progress as a as a unit, a three-man unit? Or even a five-man unit with the defensive with pairings, he's always to me. It seems like he's always mixing and matching, which I get. Sometimes you know, if you have spark, spark the lines or the team, whatever. I get that, but just to me, it seemed like it was a little, little excessive. And like I said, I, I to, to uh, I think it was Mark's point. Um, it, just the, the the players, maybe I, he he doesn't have their ear anymore. Like they're just to me, it seems like there's a locker room issue, and. I, when you watch when, when you watch the other playoff games with other teams, there's so much more intensity. The guys are playing for each other, are playing for the coach. They have trust in one in each other. But when you watch the Blues play, you don't get that feeling. You get the you get the like these guys look nervous. They just kind of don't care. They're lackadaisical. One game they're like you know kill you. The next game that you can run over them. So to me, like I said, as much as everyone likes Hitch and he might be a package deal with Armstrong. I think it's uh, it's probably best for him They hopefully he doesn't come back and we can take advantage of one of the other guys that are out there. So, Martin Broder,
3: Is it my
4: yeah, Mr. Ponder.
0: My order is different on the bottom, so I'm. Uh, I have to okay. make sure. Uh, my rant on it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Matter. Not, it doesn't. <laughs> my hitch on on my rant on Hitch will be a little uh, less than the one on Armstrong. Um, I'll play devil's advocate from everybody, and and I actually um, I'm okay with Hitch staying. Um, really, it's one of those things though that I'd be okay with it, but you know I also wouldn't be upset if he left. Um, I like Hitch. I think his, you look at what this team accomplished before Hitch, and really it was nothing. I mean, they had that crazy run in 09, and, and after that, it was just uh, disappointment after disappointment. Um, I think Davis Payne, honestly, I think I would love to see him get another chance coaching in the NHL, uh, not with the Blues, but uh, coaching in the NHL. I thought that uh, the team underperformed for him, um, but honestly, uh, Hitch stepped in and completely changed the face of this team, and uh, they played his system instantly and were able to pick it up. We see them do it, uh, not nearly as much as they used to, but, man, when they play his system the right way, uh, they win games. They win every time they play the system the right way. So, really, uh, I get it that you know maybe he's not the voice in the locker room that he used to be. Maybe people aren't listening as well. But, uh, again, my problem with this team is not the head coach. It is the leadership uh, that goes under him, and uh, I would like to see that changed. And if you do that... You know, you uh you know, you, you change uh Oshi, you change Bacchus, whatever you do, uh and you're, you know, twenty, thirty games into the season and they start to dwindle a little bit, or uh if they have another playoff failure, that's I think when you say goodbye to Hitchcock, give him a, I'd like to see one more year out of him, but uh again, if he leaves it uh, I would completely understand it and I wouldn't be uh throwing things around in my basement if that happened.
4: I uh I think he is uh, gone uh, as coach. I think he's going to retire. I I, I think if he uh, the the delay the I'm going to talk it over with my family. The uh, I have to think a conversation was had that maybe that they were not going to retain him, uh, offer him another contract, and so to save a little face, they're going to let him. Uh, quote, quote, think about it, uh, make it seem like it's his decision uh, to retire and then take a position with the club. But with that said, uh, I think that's that's what's going to happen. I don't necessarily want that to happen necessarily. I'm kind of – I go back and forth on it. Uh, One day I'm thinking, you know what, four straight playoff series losses with home ice advantage – uh, that's, that's unacceptable. Uh, no coach survives that. Um, I think, And then the next day, I'm thinking, well, you know what? Uh, and like some of the points Jeff made, you know, when they play his system, man, they play well. They play really, really well. They have the best record in the NHL since he's been here in the regular season. Uh, the playoff success has not been there. Uh, and it's a fear I have that bringing somebody else in, um, when I think this team is very, very close they just need something to get them over the hump in the playoffs, something to spark the team and energize this team in the playoffs. And whether that's a new head coach, whether that's uh, moving uh, a couple guys out from the core, uh, maybe it's a combination of both, I don't know. Uh, uh, but I but every everything I'm hearing says that, you know, I think Kelly Chase said he thought five guys, five players were going to be gone uh, in the offseason. So... Uh, that's that's something that that may be a good thing. You know, I really like this team. I like these players. Like I said before, they're, they have a lot of fan, a lot of likable players on the team. Um, but uh, and you really want this team to succeed. You know, I want this team to succeed. Uh, but it just hasn't happened. So you know, changes. I mean, they they have to be made. Uh, but whether it's going to be Hitchcock, I think it will be. Uh, and. I want to say it's a package deal with the two, but then I want to give Armstrong another year too. So maybe they both get one more year. But man, I think if they do, I think there's gonna be a lot of pissed off Blues fans if Hitchcock comes back next year. Whether that's right or wrong, I think there's gonna be gonna be a, a Baltimore situation here in town. Is that too soon? <laughs> um, well,
1: it, it it kind of is because actually um, STL Today was just not long ago tweeting out about. Um, uh some uprisings uh, in the uh canfield uh apartments in Ferguson tonight. So let's uh, let's stay off the uh current topic shall we put it go,
0: Kurt you got them all riled up.
4: Hey yeah. you know let's just let's say this about the whole the whole Ferguson and Baltimore situation. Just stop. Just calm <laughs> down. Everyone calm down.
0: You okay. should be mayor of Baltimore yeah, um,
1: I think everyone's sick of everything, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, to to kind of uh, wrap up the the Hitchin Army talk, uh, a couple of couple of uh, points that I I want to make. Um, one, I I think that a new voice in that room is desperately needed. Um, I think the Blues learned a ton under Hitchcock, and if they can retain the the importance of structure—that's uh, that's a huge win. But I think the voice needs to change, and I I would recommend that uh, if you haven't read uh, Puck Daddy's piece um, on the Blues' failures and what they should do, um, you know his, wishes he brings up a great point. Um, Hitchcock has a finite shelf life, and uh, you know he's been cashiered. Uh, three previous times in his career, and it's right about this point. Um, this actually might be the... This is the second longest tenure after Dallas, uh, but I, I think that at this point, he is not, for whatever reason, when, through the regular season, you know, through most of the regular season at least, he can keep the team's attention. But then when it gets to the playoffs, he's not the one to do it. And I think that that is ultimately... His his undoing, you know that. Yeah, he has been a godsend to to this team. You know, we had the strict disciplinarian and Andy Murray that nobody liked. Uh, well, the guy couldn't win a game. Um, you know, it just it just he, the guy was a terrible coach, and you know he was he was basically brought in to be the curmudgeon to you know get David Perron to stop wearing white skates. And then Davis Payne, uh, you know, if you listen to Armstrong's comments during the press conference today, if Armstrong's the GM don't count on Davis Payne being uh, with a Blues organization, uh, it's a little bit disparaging, I thought, of him um, in favor of, you know, praising Hitch. Um, but with with Armstrong, the reason why I hedged on, you know, why I, I wouldn't mind seeing him stick around Um, I I think ultimately he probably should go, but I think he has the right moxie and the right attitude that you need to be a successful GM, except for understanding goaltending. He is willing to make the big trade. He is willing to, you know, I, I pointed this out before, he's a riverboat gambler, but he's a smart gambler. He knows what he's doing. Um, I, I think the you know the kind of Dallas Stars nepotism might have got the best of him too. I, I think that's a very good point that you made, Jeff. You know, especially you know when you bring in Steve Ott, and uh, I mean the the guy, the, the one guy who I think absolutely should not be back around next year uh, is Steve Ott. Uh, I just I I think that he serves too little a purpose. Uh, and the the whole argument about, well, the grit he brings, the grit he brings. No, he was the laughing stock of the first round. And, yeah, he got under the Wilds fans' skin, but he didn't get under their players' skin. so I
4: don't think anybody would trade for him at his salary. It would be interesting to see so what if Armstrong they try sticks, and do with him.
1: Yeah, so if Armstrong sticks around, he can do what he said he would do and just put him on waivers. Let him go. I uh,
0: I think that um, you know this kind of leads into that. I think that you almost have to do something like that, and and I think there are teams that would take him. You got to figure there are teams Buffalo uh, Edmonton that one want a little bit of leadership, and and obviously he's a former captain, and and two. Uh, want to take on salary? I mean, there's teams that that want to get to the cap floor by doing things like that. Obviously, the Islanders did some really uh, risque things in the past with contracts and acquiring guys like Tim Thomas, who they knew weren't going to play. But um, you know, I, I think that there are teams that would be willing to take on that contract, and uh, I think you know you're not going to get much for him. But in order to sign Tarasenko, and then unless you're obviously unless you're absolutely just going to drop uh back as Hiroshi for draft picks which I don't think they would do you have to find be creative with your salary cap to be able to afford guys like Allen and Tarasenko on their next deals um you know because the cap's not going up too much so I, I could see them making a couple minor tweaks like that i think uh getting the bigger contracts out of there and obviously it's not too much but every little thing you can do to get rid of a contract like that they have Adam Cracknell um that they could re-sign and, and uh You know, I have always said, and I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, let's bring back that CPR line, that's all we need, and we'll win a cup. But I will say, I think an Adam Cracknell does the same thing for you in an 82-game season that Steve Ott does, and he does it at a much, much, much cheaper rate. Same thing with a Chris Porter. The Blues are going to have to start bringing in more guys like that to fill out their bottom six, uh, including guys like Ty Ratty. And uh, uh, Ivan Barbashev, Robbie Fabry, because they need those lower contracts in order to be able to afford this high-end talent like Tarasenko.
4: Speaking of Barbashev, uh, you got a pros- today? Yeah, I did. Actually, that day it's, I cut it myself. It's, uh, it looks nice up front, but the back it looks terrible. You can't cut your own hair in the back. It's just not as not as easy as it sounds. But uh, anyway, uh, I laughed, Barbashev. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. I'll put a laugh track (laughs) in later. Uh, So uh, Barbashev's numbers, I was looking at them today. Uh, He's got uh, some pretty outstanding numbers offensively. Uh, He's got uh, 45 goals, 50 assists, in 57 games played in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And in the playoffs, played uh, in 15 games, and he had 24 points, 13 goals, and 11 assists. So uh yeah he's uh it's going to be interesting to see how well he does in camp but I'm not sure if he would make the club out of camp next year but he's uh he's got some uh he's got some upside
1: yeah it'll definitely be interesting especially given his you know his uh best friend is Dmitri Yaskin. you know to yeah, have a be... guy have a guy like that already in camp that that can only bode well for the guy unless yeah. he's completely immature and, you know, shows that on the ice. I think that
0: that kind of plays into getting, and again, I know that I like Patrick Berglund, but if you can move that contract that Berglund has and, uh, you know, yeah, obviously he's a rookie, but and and Yaskin's just coming off a a year where he didn't play the full season, but uh, there's your natural winger to go along with Yaskin. They were uh, their former... Uh, Moncton Wildcats together. You put them back together on that third line, and all of a sudden you've got a third line. We'll figure out the center. But it's got Barbashev, who's just a, a masterful player, and Dmitry Yaskin really kind of came into his own last year. That's not a bad third line to have. And uh, given Barbashev a full season in the NHL uh, could only bode well, I think, for the Blues in the playoffs if he's ready.
4: Yeah, I, I uh, him and Fabry. Uh, you know, Fabry did quite well in camp last season, or before this, before the season started. Uh, I, he was the last player cut, was he not, or sent back down? Yes, he was. So, uh, so that's, I mean, you know, he's got a shot too. So that's uh, uh, moving some guys out. If, like you said, moving Berglund out, I think is, uh, you know, I know, I know you're a Berglund supporter, but uh, I think moving him. Uh, uh, getting rid of that salary and replacing him with someone else—Barbashev, uh, Fabry—if they play well enough to make the team, uh, that might be something that uh,
2: would be positive. So, Did, uh, didn't they? Oops, sorry to interrupt. Did, go ahead. Didn't they? Didn't they? Um, wasn't that one of the whole reasons why they signed Berglund to that three-year contract was to make him more appealing to teams as far as to the, the tender a trade? because I, I thought that was like one of the big things. Like when he got signed, I, like, everyone was like astounded. Like what? He's got signed for three years. Like really? So is—is is there any truth to that? Do you guys know? Him, or? There. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's nothing. The Blues are gonna come out and, and
0: sure, sure. Say, but I will say that um, from the dealings I've had, it, it's it was pretty evident that um, that was part of it. I don't think it was like a, we're gonna definitely sign and trade, but I think it was one of those things where it was like. We'll sign him. If we can trade him, that's great. If not, we've still got a solid player that knows our system. So it gotcha. wasn't like uh, we're definitely going to move him, but it was something sure. I know they were looking into doing. And I really believe they thought they had Spezza. I really think they thought yeah. Yeah. That, that was going to be the deal because it came out after the Blues wanted both. They wanted Spezza and Stastny. So I think that uh, they went into that saying when they signed him, yeah, you know we're we're probably gonna move him and get two top centers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just didn't work out. And and again, I think it's one of those things where they were still happy that uh, they had Patrick Bergland under contract. It yeah, seems
4: he, it, it seems to me that he's making a little too much money, though. So I think that's probably part of the deal. Maybe not. Like you said, some teams may want to take on salary, but he also has a partial no-trade clause as well. It was yeah, like nine. It doesn't kick in until
1: July 1st, though. Yeah, and it's eight teams that he can't be traded to. So. Yeah. But can you imagine, though, just to kind of go down the rabbit hole of had the Blues signed Jason Spezza, how do we afford Vladimir Tarasenko this offseason?
2: <laughs> yeah. You Good think, question. You think, you think Vladdy's going to test the market and see if he can get the most money out of other teams, or do
1: you nah, think he's, he's pretty
2: loyal to the Blues?
1: No. He's, he's restricted. He's Yeah, he's restricted. The Blues right okay. still match anything. They said that today. Um, you know that that's you know if Armstrong is is going to be the uh, the GM, but right. anybody anybody in their right mind is going to sign this guy. He's he's on the upswing of his career and just put together just highlight after highlight this year. Sure, yeah. I will tell you the
0: the team that scares the money. me is Washington. That's the team that scares me. I know that they are are up against the cap, but. I really could see them making a big pitch for him, making a bunch of trades just to get him under contract. He's buddies with Ovechkin; they're they're you know obviously from the same country. I could see them really trying to to go with a, a top line of Backstrom, Tarasenko, Ovechkin, and Oof. just literally rolling out nine other dudes that are AHL players for the rest of their lines because that's all you need for offense.
4: So you think they would they would give an offer sheet. I could see it. Harrison, I'm not I'm not man, saying oh that they would
0: definitely do it, but I'm just saying I could see it.
4: That would boy that would be that would be enemy number 1 for the Blues if Washington went and did that cuz that's a yes. that's Anything. kind of an unwritten rule, you know. Any team that makes an offer sheet on another player to drive the price up or to try and steal somebody, man, that's uh, I I get it is within the rules and everything, but that's just kind of something that uh the teams don't really do. And it happened with uh some Uh, Backus in Backus Vancouver and Bernier in the Blues,
0: yeah. And then Shea Weber was a big one in Philadelphia,
4: yeah. And there's always there's always repercussions. Somebody else they always seem to send an offer sheet back the other way for someone else next year on the other team. So uh, payback's a bitch, kind of thing.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think with Berglund, I kind of feel like Chris Pronger needs to call him and tell him not to wait 12 years to start using his size. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's
4: that's been disappointing for me with Berglund is that, uh, and Bill and I talked about this and we laughed about it when we actually saw it happen, uh, is that he, Berglund has, he's very predictable, uh, doesn't doesn't drive to the net. Uh, His play is if he's got the puck on the boards, in the corner, he'll curl up the boards and look to pass to the point. If the point pass is not there, it's almost like he just kind of curls around and skates in a circle until something opens up, uh, either a point a point pass or a dump behind the goal. That seems to be the play when they're set up in the zone every
3: single time they have the puck. And he doesn't use. And his we puck. keep talking. And we keep talking about you know who to blame for this and that. Who do we who do we blame for Game Four and the way that we played, how well we played? I mean what. Why can't we talk about that and, and how to bottle that and, and, and get that back? Because obviously they had the ability to do it and I don't think, I don't think Minnesota folded that night. Um, I think we took it to them. And so how do we, how do we get back to that? Because yeah.
4: there was a couple of games there was a couple of those goals. I mean don't get me wrong, the Blues severely outplayed Minnesota in that game, but a couple of them, there were very bad goals that Duben gave up, and I thought at the time, okay. Devin Dubnik has arrived. This is who he is. This is who we're going to see. He's back to the way he's been playing his career. But it yeah. did not happen that way the rest of the series. But I, I I I mean, you know, they it was the first game in the series that they had to that they had to win. I mean, they, they, they the word was jobs were on the line. If they go down 3-1 and play like crap again, this is it. Uh, the series is pretty much over, and and heads are gonna roll. And they came out on fire, and they they, they peppered Dubnik and, and he was he looked soft. Uh, and so you thought things were gonna turn around, but uh, but obviously that wasn't the case. And I, I I can't tell you why they, you know, maybe Bill has a has a theory or or Jeff has a theory, but I
1: what what worked in that game as opposed to the other games, I you know I don't know. I think it's painfully obvious from today's pressers that nobody knows what the difference was, and that is why I have no confidence in in the overall leadership of this group right now. Uh, but primarily the coach. If the coach doesn't know what's working and what's ticking, why does he change the lines so goddamn often?
0: And I'll I'll say that when uh, we we opened the show with this, but. They, uh, they played in Game 5 the way they played in Game 4 to open the game. I mean, it was a continuation, and it, to me, it's a confidence thing. It was uh, completely, they, they went out, they scored that quick goal. I mean, I think they came out in Game 4 and said, all right, guys, it's do or die right now. This is our Game 7, and they really put it on the line. Ryan Reeves, I mean, it's a, it's a kick in the teeth. When the fourth line can come out and score a goal on you in one of their first shifts, so Ryan Reeves' goal it really rejuvenated the Blues. It really put the Minnesota Wild in a the funk. Then they just kept pouring it on. They kept driving the net. They kept playing hard. Game five came. They did the same thing. And I know that they played. They still played okay after uh, the Wild's goal. Was at that uh, a Scandella uh, after his goal in the first period of Game five? But I just you could see the thunder and the the drive and the force taken out of this team after that goal went in. I mean, as I said, they still played okay to finish the period, but they didn't have that confidence that they could just drive through the defense and get to the net and get a good shot. It wasn't there anymore, and it never, ever came back. All the rest of Game 5, it wasn't there. All of Game 6, it wasn't there, except for maybe the Oshie goal and maybe one or two other times. But... Yeah, they. Uh, it, it to me, it's confidence, and again, along kind of with what Bill said, it was a. Uh, it, it's something that I think goes into the leadership of this crew, uh, because you look at a team, and as much as I hate to mention Shane Doan, um, he's a guy like a David Backus that can lay out a big hit and motivate his team, but when something like that happens, you see him step his game up and I'm not just picking on Backus, I'm picking on everyone in the leadership group, that he steps his game up, whether it's a huge clean hit, or it's a a goal, or it's driving the net and pissing off the other team. You don't see anyone on this team step up and do that. And to me, that's a huge leadership problem.
4: Was it Shattenkirk that said that this team has a problem playing from behind or uh, if the other team scores a goal to tie it? Then they have a they have a they have a problem with that. They like you said it's a it's a it's a confidence issue. As far as oh well here we go they've caught us they figured us out we're done and really that shouldn't be the case. Was it Shattenkirk that said that or was it uh Stasny? Someone uh, just said that recently.
0: That, I think it was Shattenkirk that said it recently. Stasny kind yeah. of mentioned it a couple about a month ago. Yeah. So that I mean that's a that's a problem. I mean if, especially in the playoffs
4: when. You're never out of it. I mean, look at Chicago; they came back from a three-goal deficit, a three-one deficit. Uh, they're down in the series. They, uh, they, they, they came back and they, and they, they took care of the uh, the Predators. So, I, th- that's the kind of that's the kind of thing you're looking for the the never say die, the keep pushing, keep pushing until the series is actually over. At a cellular instinct. Yeah. yeah.
1: Exactly. And we were one draft pick away from having that Jonathan Tate's leadership. Oh, let's not Eric start Johnson.
0: That. Let's not start that. No,
1: wait. We're we're trying to depress Hitch's hat all the way at this point.
3: <laughs> you
1: know, Larry Larry Plo, Eric Brewer, Eric Johnson. <laughs> um,
0: oh, who's another good one? How about uh, Bob Gasoff?
1: Oh, 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 man! <laughs> too soon. We're going Come dark on. here. We're going all the way dark here.
0: Oh, that was too dark. How about Roman Turk or Brent Johnson? <laughs> Never go full dark. Never go full dark. Reinhard Davis. Bergevin. Mark Bergman.
1: Mark <laughs> Yeah, yeah. See, I he was I, I, he was I, good I, in the locker room though. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and he's a great general manager. If, if the Blues had their pick of GMs this year, if they could steal him away from Montreal, that would be awesome. But he's got the best gig in hockey right now. They could do what Rob Ford said. Did you
0: guys see what he said on Twitter?
1: No, but please please tell us because Rob Does it
3: involve is a craft pipe?
0: Uh, it so. probably did when he tweeted it, yes. Uh, he has been doing some Maple Leafs tweets lately, which have just been awesome. And uh, one of them was, they should hire Mike Babcock, not as the head coach, as the GM, and they should hire the head coach to be the one and only Mike Keenan.
2: Oh, God. (laughs) Yep. So you guys want to do
0: that one? How about that?
2: uh, Eh, (laughs) No. I was going to ask you you guys about the... uh, uh, I don't know if you guys were planning on talking about it, but the uh, the Tom Stillman interview he did yesterday. If you guys were all able to watch that, yep,
0: yeah, I heard it. I heard it. Yeah,
2: I just yeah. I just had a uh, maybe kind of get your guys' thoughts on that too. So after watching that, I mean Tom obviously was pretty distraught. He seemed that way. You know, he was very. He seems like a real you know happy go lucky guy, and he was sad, upset, disappointed, all, all of the above. But one thing that I just, uh, me personally, I guess I dis, kind of disagree with his when, he, when when he's like, you know, I'm not going to come out, I'm not going to come on here, and I'm not going to tell you, the media, or whoever, that, you know, we're cutting heads, we're, you know, we're doing, a, we're doing hangings in the gallery, whatever. He's like, we're not going to do that, we're going to take everything deliberately, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I guess my thought is, and I kept thinking this the whole time in my head, and, I, and again, I don't know what really transpires in the locker room, but the whole time I'm watching this, is like, did, it, would it really hurt if um, Tom Stillman had maybe a little fire in his belly? He doesn't need to go on the air and say that, hey, we're firing Hitch or anybody else. But, I mean, I and, know and he talked about a fine line, you know, of going, you know, I think Mark Reardon asked him, hey, is, uh, you know, did you say anything to the players after the game? No, no, you know, fine line of business, yada, yada, yeah. But I guess my whole thing is, like, I guess I'm the type of guy where a fire intensity, so. If you had a nasty loss, like, and again, I don't know what's said after a game but or during a game, during the periods, but, like, Hitch, uh, Army, or even Tom, like, running in there and, like, you know, throwing some chairs around and calling people out. I mean, does that, does that thing still yeah. happen, A, and B? Is, like, am I, like, on my own island when I think that? Maybe having a little intensity in his talk, maybe that would pump the fans up a little bit. I don't know.
4: In all fairness, I I don't think that's really the the job sure. of the owner. I, I, he's I mean I get it I get I get the I mean we're passionate fans so that's how sure, I think sure. that we would want to react. And sure. you see him all I mean he's a very very uh, present owner during games. He's he's hmm. at the games. He, he the right. camera's on him. He is cheering for this team. He is a huge fan. So I think I think that's you know that's how he participates fan-wise sure. with the team. Uh, I think if he were to go into the locker room and try and be a rah-rah guy, uh, try and, you know, uh-huh. uh, crack some skulls maybe, or or uh, try and motivate the team, I think, in my, this is my opinion, I think that he'd probably be overstepping his bounds, and I think sure. Hitchcock would have a huge problem with that. Uh, that would probably not sit well with them. Yeah,
0: sure. I, well, I agree. I, I think that... Uh, when, for one thing Stillman is a is a visible as you said a visible fan and I think the fan the players know that and I think they respect that but at the same time if he were to come in and rant and rave and scream and throw things sure. I, I think that they would all just kind of pass it off as well he's just he's just acting like a fan he's just a pissed off fan right now like he's <laughs> he's not acting like our owner and I think that that's kind of the the mentality he has, too. I think he sure. knows, since he's such a visible person at games and, and literally cheering and high-fiving fans, that that's how it would come off. And and let's face it, too, I mean, we've seen owners do that before and it has no effect. I think uh, GM Ron Hextall even did that in Philadelphia this year and it, it, there was no effect on the team after that. It was. Gotcha. I just think it's something that's overdone by a lot of owners and I think that... A lot of players don't respond well to it anyway. Um, But, you know, kind of getting to what you were saying about his interview, I think, first of all, it was very, very well conducted um, by KMOX, so that that was a a great job. Um, And second of all, um, I did like what he said. I think you could hear it in his voice that he was upset. And I think you can hear it in, in Armstrong and Hitchcock, but with him, you really... Hear it. He was a yep. depressed fan yesterday, and that is why I respect the hell out of Tom Stillman. I mean, he's he's a businessman and he's passionate, and that's exactly what this team has needed for years. And I think that he will do the right things to eventually bring this team a cup. Uh, you know, do I really think it's going to happen? I don't know, but uh, he's definitely going to make the right steps to make sure he can do everything in his power to make sure that happens, and and you got to respect that. Sure.
1: Yeah, and my take on it, you know, the angry fan of me absolutely was was, you know, just, I, you know, I wanted there to be blood in the water, and I I wanted Hitch's name to get called, um, but I absolutely understand where where Stillman's coming from. I think I think Stillman showed, you know, just a ton of wisdom and character. You know, wise men don't make decisions when they're angry. Sure. And you know I, I really thought that that came across. and I, uh, he didn't say anything that you know he had even you know had discussions with either uh, Armstrong or Hitchcock about their future. It, to me, what I took from the, the Stillman interview uh, was that you know we're not going to make any rash decisions. We're gonna go about this in a, a wise manner. We're going to evaluate. And you know, the, the fast forward to today's press or with Armstrong, and Armstrong made that point. He's being evaluated. And I think that's that's the biggest thing that we could take away from that no news press conference today is that, you know, I think Armstrong uh, was angling for his job I, I i think that you know he's he had to show in today's presser that he has thoughts about you know where this team goes forward and you know except for the odd hang up on uh Vladdy Savotka and how his name kept coming up
0: that was um, weird
1: yeah uh I just i don't know i mean the what what I kept thinking to myself as i and I listened to uh you know both of the uh both pieces that they they put up uh, they broke it up into two segments I listened to them both multiple times uh this uh, evening as I worked late and i you know the i I kept thinking that you know they're not giving us any information you know any direct information that you gotta read between the lines on what's going on here. And with uh, with with Hitch, you know, I th- I think Kurt's right that you know they're they're gonna they're gonna play it like you know he's and I think they almost played it up too much that you know it, he's gonna be the one that that makes the decision, um you know about his future and you know he maybe he doesn't want to come back you know I, I I don't buy that I I think that if the Blues would have him back he would he would still come back. Um, I don't know. May, maybe he is, you know, uh, uh, has, you know, done a little bit of introspection, you know, and, and is wondering, you know, is he the best thing? You know, maybe, maybe that's the case. But he just said a couple weeks ago he mm-hmm. wanted to come back. Right, and you know, so now maybe, all of a sudden
4: that's changed, which is kind of strange. Well, all he of not sudden sure. not sure. a sudden,
1: after a major disappointment. Um, right. and, and I don't know, maybe maybe he's playing the grandpa angle, you know, that uh you know, in, instead of telling the players that he's he's angry and upset with them, oh you you disappointed me. I'm so disappointed. I don't know. <laughs> I'm that not I'd angry, be here. I'm disappointed. Exactly, exactly. But this hurts you know, me
3: more than it hurts you.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he I the presser today was, was odd. Um you know, and my my only hope with uh, Armstrong keep going back to you know how he's basically been stalking Vladimir Sobotka, uh, was that you know <laughs> the the answer and as I said anytime we talk about Vladimir Sobotka uh, you know on on the podcast uh, I, I or Steve Ott it, I I view Steve Ott as as having been brought in uh and ultimately supplanting Saboka and wrongly so. I, I think Saboka I don't think he was the missing link that uh was the would have been the difference maker, but I think he has that asshole personality that would have gotten in somebody's face uh in the locker room and and told them what's up.
3: Well, um, I think what's what's really weird to me is it's how guarded they were with their press conferences, you know, and they don't want to say anything plans about the future yet. They want to evaluate everything and all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, with Armstrong saying, but we're going to have the same goalie tandem next year. We'll see how that plays out. It'll be good for competition. And I
1: think, I think that was him just trying to do whatever he could to, to let Brian Elliott know that uh, we're sorry we alienated you. Please come back.
4: And and to be honest, with with goaltending, I know that we I played on teams with with Bill, and Bill was our goaltender uh, quite often. And goaltenders, you, you don't you never want to blame a goaltender as a coach or a player for anything, you know. That you, you don't want the goaltender to you want the goaltender to be confident and, and positive. Um, it's it's you you never see a player single out a goalie uh, or a coach single out a goalie for. A loss or a bad play—it's always a team thing. It's always, you know. So I think, you know, saying that the goaltending situation is up in the air, like Bill said, I think it's a it's a shot in the arm for for Elliot uh, from the coaching staff, from the ownership group, to say, you know, we appreciate you, we want you back. Uh, you know, if it's split time, that would imply that Elliot still has a chance to win the starting job, which, if he outplays Allen, he will be the starter. If he outplays Allen. So if he's still here,
3: but haven't they told him you, that like eight times now?
4: Well, you know what? If if he down the stretch, if he would have played better than Allen, he would have been starting. But
3: he but he wasn't.
4: So I mean, I, I think I was telling uh, someone the other day that uh, you know don't don't blame Hitchcock <laughs> for the the choice of playing Allen. If you wanted Elliot to play in goal, blame Elliot for not playing as well as he had been earlier in the year. And Allen was on fire, so obviously, you know, the, the the role is his. Now, now, whether or not you start Elliot in the playoffs, that's you know, we discussed that already in, in the podcast. But uh, I think that was that's that's where that's where the situation lies there.
3: So. And I saw somebody earlier today tweet about how uh, they made a mistake bringing Brodor in, and they should have just let Jake Allen ride uh, while Elliott was out. What do you think about that?
4: Allen, I mean, personally, I, I don't think Allen Allen wasn't playing very well at all. No, when they brought Broder in. That's that's part of the reason why, and uh, you know, to get uh, Broder a few starts and and uh, get that presence in the locker room. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I, th- I think bringing Broder in was fine. I think actually he played better than I thought he was gonna play. So, uh, and and you know, after he got here and got some starts, and then Elliott came back and he got his, he played well. Then Allen gets his starts and he plays well. So uh, you know, you could attribute some of that to Brodeur being here as well.
1: I don't know. Was was Brodeur, I don't know if you know this, Jeff. Was Broader around the team during the playoffs? Yes, he was. He was. Uh, I mean, he was up in the the press box, uh, whatever you want to call it. I guess the.
0: I mean, he was he wasn't like sitting with the media, but he was sitting with Armstrong and McKinnis and all those guys. But um, yeah, he would. Uh, you know, in between periods, the uh, the coaches go down. The Ray Bennett and um, his name's escaping me. Jim uh, Jim Corsi. Uh They would uh, they would come down and, and talk to him, and then after games, uh, when the games would end, whether it was win or loss, Prodor would join them, and he would walk with them into the Blues locker room. So whether he would say anything or or maybe even go all the way into the locker room, maybe he just stood in the hall. I don't know, but uh, yeah, he was visibly around the team a lot uh, before and after games.
3: Well, wouldn't you Wouldn't you want his experience around? Allen in in the playoffs and saying, "Hey, this is this is what's going on. This is what we you need to do, and so forth."
1: Yeah, I, I think that if that uh, if he wasn't afforded that opportunity to to be in the locker room, you know, especially after the uh, the first period of Game Five, you know, that would have been a perfect time for him to go in and and tell Jake Allen, "Look, don't worry about it. You got this. Your team's going to pick you up. Something." But if that didn't happen, you have to think that the Blues really squandered, you know, the is, the you know the wisdom of the greatest goaltender uh, of the last twenty years. Um,
4: is is McInnes in the locker room though? In between periods? I mean, he's not. He's not down there. I, I think
1: there's a difference between McInnes and Brodeur in that Brodeur was. On the team this year, he was in that locker room. He knew how that op- that locker room operated. You know that I I view their roles this year as completely different. Yeah, I think I'm not
4: saying it would be a bad thing for him to be in there. I'm just not sure how commonplace that kind of a thing is for uh, someone who's actually not on the team to be in the locker room in between periods. I, you know, he's he's there during practices. I would imagine, uh, probably even on the ice with him. Uh, At times, but uh, you know, which I think would be, like you said, uh, a a good thing to have uh, him to do because of his experience and his knowledge. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I hadn't even thought about him being in the locker room between periods. I guess uh, what is that? Too many cooks in the kitchen, or is that uh, you know we don't we're not in there, so we don't know how many people are trying to say something. You know, I think maybe well, I, just and
0: let me clarify: just, he was not in there in the between periods. He was in there before and after games. Okay, so and, I don't know if that and it changes anything, but he was not I in know. there then.
1: I I think that's that's a squandered opportunity. Uh, honestly, yeah. I think I think you know that you have to look at it from the the perspective of you know Martin Brodeur, the former, very recent teammate. Versus Martin Brodeur, the guy who's trying to learn the ropes in the executive suites. I, I think that a little outside the box thinking could maybe have, you know, helped a little bit uh, when, you know, when Jake uh, ran into trouble uh, in game five. Um, but I don't know. I mean, woulda, coulda, shoulda. At this point, it doesn't matter.
3: You know, back to back to Hitchcock being here or not. You know, we talked about a lot about players that, that we think need to be moved, but, you know, I think what we've come up with was that there's a lot of no-trade clauses. There's a lot of heavy contracts that aren't going to be able to be moved. So in reality, uh, you know, there's not going to be as much turnover maybe as we want or, or think there should be. Um, so if, if if they do have pitches system that, that is proven that can work, um, you know, does that change anything with bringing in a brand-new coach – and having to start over with essentially, you know, a, a large remaining, you know, returning cast.
4: That's a. I mean, well, you know, I, bringing in a bringing in a, a new coach. I guess you could make an argument for if you brought in a new coach, that that would be your significant change. Um. But uh, from everything I'm hearing, it's going to be a lot more than that. And I don't. And, and it's not to say that, that they're not going to move these guys because of their salaries. I, I think that they're absolutely going to move some guys, but uh, the return that they get might not be what they would hope for because of some of the salaries. Like Bomis, if they do happen to find a trade partner with Bomister, they're not going to get equal return on talent because they'll have to absorb that contract. Same thing goes with Ott, if they move him or they waive Ott. Uh, or if they move Berglund, I don't... You know, we're probably talking draft picks for Berglund. I don't know if we're going to talk about, you know, a roster player, necessarily. So, so I, I mean... That's fine.
1: I, I think that... I, I seriously <laughs> think that you guys are underselling Berglund's value. I think, And I've made this point before. I think that the Blues... Blues fans uh, have just fell in love with the idea of dominant Peter Forsberg, Patrick Berglund, uh, that played in the World Juniors in uh, 08. And he's, that's not the NHL player he was ever going to be. And the, the NHL player that he was going to be is like where he is now. Yeah, he could probably score some more goals if he drove the net a little bit harder. Um, but I think that you're you're understanding his value. I I think that he'll be able to, you know, you get more than just a draft pick for Patrick Berglund. I hope
3: so. Maybe the Eagles will take him.
0: (laughs) You never know. I mean, uh, you know, I think we could maybe get Tim Tebow. (laughs)
4: A <laughs> uh, blues fan MYR on Twitter tweets at LGB radio this team needs a sports psychologist no joke and an off whoops and an offensive oriented coach that brings the fire in them curious about Muller so Muller is a head coach who are our fan in uh, Montreal uh, is curious about another I great sure about Twitter
0: that. follow by the way for uh, anyone yeah, looking to. Talk to a an intelligent blues fan
4: she runs a uh, a facebook page with uh, a couple thousand blues fans who are all female that's her that's the deal that's that's the gig uh female fan uh facebook page
1: yeah <clears throat> um, <laughs> I'm not sure why I'm not seeing these tweets oh well uh, she tweets again
4: uh, at LGB Radio, by the way, no mention of the fact our hard-hitting team had 130 hits this series versus 260 each for Caps and aisles. So she's not a fan of the lack of physical play from the Blues compared to uh, other series. Hitch's hat, liked Brent Johnson. Did we say that already?
0: <laughs> no, he also want, uh, wants us to talk about Sasha Havanaugh.
4: I saw that. <laughs> I saw that.
0: <laughs> Um in terms of the the lack of physical play, I'll say one thing uh games two, four, and even a good portion of five, the blues had a lot of puck control. I mean, yeah, they weren't getting great shots or great chances, but uh when you're controlling the puck, you're not hitting. so the blues are not going to be throwing a bunch of hits when they're you know holding onto the puck, otherwise they're getting penalties. so uh that I think that's a, a slightly skewed stat, but at the same time. The fact that both teams in the same series put up a ton of hits and only played in one more game, uh, that is kind of telling the Blues were not playing their style. And that's something I said um, early on in the series. Uh, I think it was actually after game one. The Blues are so worried about matching the speed. You heard so many comments come out about how, uh, you know, they got to match the wild speed, and they got to be prepared for the speed. But in my opinion... If you're playing your game, you don't have to worry about the wild speed. What you have to worry play about your is... your game. Yeah, playing your <laughs> game. That's all that matters. If you're playing the way that you know you can, the dominating style that, that this team has played all season, uh, you don't have to worry about anything that the other team's going to do because you're knocking them into submission, throwing them into the boards, uh, making them play on top of their goaltender. Uh, it's just not something they needed to worry about and they did and I think that's part of the reason why you saw them get away from their hitting game
4: well um, I think uh, we can skip over the radio rant session since this <laughs> whole show has pretty much
0: <laughs> been a rant <laughs> all this one radio rants
4: <laughs> yeah unless you want to rant about the uh, the uh, total hockey commercials some more <laughs>
0: go ahead <laughs>
4: no I've, I've, I've said my piece uh let's see uh, crosscheck raise on Twitter tweets at LGB radio Burgland up and coming or upcoming uh, UFA years and existing term means return would be more than a pick probably.
1: Agree. Good tactical thoughts there.
0: Crosscheck raise, by the way, is part of a, another blues podcast that everybody should be checking out. Uh, they are, uh, oh, God, they're beyond Checkerdome. That's right. I, yeah. I, at least for some reason, can't get them and Loose Chicklets correct. But, uh, yeah, Cross Check Rays does a great job uh, over at um, the uh, Beyond Checkerdome, which is part of St. Louis Game Time. So make sure you check out uh, that publication and that podcast as well.
1: And while we're on tweets, I have to point out that uh, Beyond Checkerdome got tagged tonight by uh, Van Halen History, um, uh because uh 42879 Van Halen plays the at Beyond Checkerdome in St. Louis so uh just because you're probably the only uh Twitter tag out there with uh Checkerdome in it uh you got you got tagged by Van Halen tonight so that's that's awesome and uh yeah. Yeah, that's that's gotta, brilliant
4: my brother has uh sent me a text He's listening to the show. He said he uh, he hasn't heard anyone talk about the bench interview with Hitch. That little insight, uh, very telling, seemed Hitch had no control of his team. He's referring to the interview uh, where he said he was uh, sticking with Allen uh, because he's uh, learning. It's a situation where he's learning. And then a minute or two later, uh, he allows that softy and he gets pulled. So your guys' thoughts on that, on the interview and, the, and Hitch's comments? Well, at that, point, on at that point,
1: at that point, I think Hitch was, you know, just you know, selling confidence uh, about Allen, and uh, Allen shouldn't have started uh, game six. I don't think. Um, I think he was uh, probably too fragile. Yeah, you want to give him the chance to bounce back, but there's way too much on the line. Um, yeah, you're taking a risk putting Elliot in cold, but I, I absolutely, you know, I thought that uh, Elliot should have been the guy to go um and at that point you know Hitch had no no choice but to pull the string i mean that's just two goals that should never have gone in when when you're fighting for your playoff life yeah
0: one uh, one thing let's just do this real quick yes or no that's all we need and we'll run down the line real quick yes or no and i know t- hindsight is 2020 but Try to remember your, your thoughts after game five. Would you have started Elliot or Alan in game six? Elliot or Alan, it's all you got to say. Let's go with Eric first.
2: I would have gone with Alan still.
0: Okay. Bill, you you said Alan? Or um, Elliot? you said Elliot. I said Elliot. Okay, Kurt? Alan. Alan. And then uh, Mark? Elliot. I would have gone with Elliot as well. So there you go. Split fifty-fifty. I mean, it's understandable why Hitchcock went with Allen because it you, it really was a toss-up. and I'm sure that him and his coaches talked about it for a fair amount after Game Five. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, it's hard to point blame at him for that. But uh, like I said, with when you got a split room, even right here on that. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough call.
4: Well, I mean, to my my rationale behind my decision, my opinion. On that situation is you know how how well Allen had played uh, down the stretch first four games um, and then he has the the bad goal in game five uh, uh, later on there was a softy not as bad as the first one but uh, you know it wasn't a very good game for him um, I'm not sure you know going with Elliot even though I'm a huge Elliott fan I think everybody knows this I love Brian Elliot um, but uh, I, you know, I I. Going, giving up on Allen at that point. I, you know, I had no problem with the way Hitch did uh, handle the goaltending at all during the series. Uh, I was on board with the Allen start in Game Six. I was on board with not pulling him after the first goal, uh, which they asked him about, which I thought was a ridiculous question. Uh, the very first shot of the game, it goes in. It's a bad goal. Uh, how many coaches would would pull a goalie after that first goal? I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't. I don't. Maybe it's just me, but I, I thought that was a, uh, a ridiculous question. And then the second bad goal, uh, I was on board then. Okay, that's time to get him out. It's two bad goals, down to nothing. you got to make a move, if anything, to try and just send a message to the team as well.
0: Kurt? Um... We, uh, how far are we on time right now? We're pretty far in, huh? <laughs> yeah, is, we're
1: right at two hours, I think. Oh, wow!
4: Yeah, this is this is about a good uh, good half an hour more than I expected. So uh, we'll probably wrap it up uh, unless somebody has any closing thoughts on uh, uh, the off season
1: well you know i i think the the point uh, the point now for the uh, the off season is uh we we see how uh, how the evaluation plays itself out um and in the meantime uh we get to have fun watching everybody play uh armchair gm and uh you know what uh what uh who can we uh, package? You know, can we package Brian Elliott, Jay Bomeister, and TJ Oshie to the uh, Edmonton Oilers uh, for you know their their second first round pick this year? And uh, would that be a good trade? Why or why not? Uh, I think we'll we'll see a lot of that kind of uh, talk that you know just you know, to to bide our time really. Well, uh, I, I think a lot of people
4: a lot of people do want blood right now, and it's understandable. But I, I really do. Uh, like the fact that there are no knee-jerk reactions right now, you know they're not cleaning house right now. They're not uh, uh, basing their decisions on emotion as opposed to actually sitting down, uh, discussing discussing like adults. You know what went wrong, where they can improve, who needs to go. Uh, you
1: know the way it probably should be done. Right, so. and in that respect, the St. Louis Blues are still better than the San Jose Sharks. Cause <laughs> look what the sharks did last year and look at the mess that they're in now. I will say
0: that, uh, I'm going to hold my thoughts for, uh, what to do in the postseason, uh, simply because I would probably rant again for about another 25 minutes. So let's save that. I think Kurt, I think you'll agree. We could do another show maybe, uh, in a couple weeks where maybe the emotions aren't as high for some of us. Um, and I'll hold my thoughts there, but, uh, I will close by giving a big, big, big stick stick tap to Eric and Mark for joining us. You guys uh, really appreciate that. We definitely, yeah, Yeah, let's give some some applause.
4: Really nice. yeah. yeah, it was
0: a blast. It was fun, guys. Seriously, guys. Uh, I mean, it's uh, we, we this is the kind of stuff we want when we uh, came back with Let's Go Blues Radio. We want people joining in. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, next time you see that we're having a show, make sure you uh, come on and join us. Um, and while we're at it, why don't we go ahead and let you guys plug yourselves at all you want, your Twitter handle, whatever you want to do, uh, whatever you want to say. And uh, again, just a, a big thank you from all three of us for uh, joining us for the show.
3: Yeah no thanks for having us it was it was it was great i i don't need any followers
2: <laughs> Yeah it was it, it was a it was a great show i really appreciate you guys having me on i'm on twitter probably jeff i think i follow you i think i ask questions here and there so you're like who is this guy it's a, it's a i'm stl-88 it's like a little
0: oh yeah okay the, i
2: know you the, the the little like the little uh, black fish or whatever right oh, no, right yeah so that's me but yeah uh, I'm on there, so yeah, I, I'm an avid follower. But in, anyhow, long story short, thanks for uh, letting me join and kind of sp- spill the beans a little bit. I Appreciate it. it's nice to chat hockey with some guys who have some great insight and who you know have their ear or their finger on the pulse a little bit. So
4: thank you. Yeah, that's 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 why we do this. You know, we we enjoy talking hockey, and this is a great outlet for it. So uh, we're absolutely. really happy you guys could uh, come on and uh, and participate. Uh, I think we all had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thank you.
4: Thanks. So uh, in closing, thank you all for tuning in to Let's Go Blues Radio. We hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Uh, and again, we mentioned this earlier, don't forget to check out the other Blues podcasts, uh, Loose Chicklets, Beyond Dome, and the Blues Hockey Podcast. Uh, those guys do a great job. So after you're done listening to our show, uh, go ahead and listen to theirs. Uh, our next show will be, I don't know when it will be. Uh, we're going to probably... Schedule our shows in the summer. Uh, you know, we won't we won't do a weekly show, obviously. Uh, if there's some big news to talk about, we'll go ahead and schedule a show so we can uh, chat about the news. We expect a lot of news this off season, so uh, maybe we'll have a, a couple shows here and there, maybe once a month, uh, something like that, once every two or three weeks. Uh, but we'll see. We'll uh, just follow us on Twitter at uh, LGB Radio, and uh, you should be able to pick up all the news that way, or uh, check out Let's Go Blues.com. Uh, in the forums we'll be posting stuff in there as well. So uh, until then let's get a let's get a big let's go blues a little rah-rah feel good session here. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three, let's, let's go, go blues, out. blues. <laughs> let's go blues. <laughs>